0: This episode of the podcast Under the Stairs is brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Check out the podcast Under the Stairs and many other shows over at legionpodcast.com. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under The Stairs, this is episode number 78, I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Episode number 78, that's right, we're back on track with the numbered episodes. The last three episodes we put out were bonus episodes, this was primarily down to the fact that I was going away on VK, as the kids call it, I think that's what the kids call it, I don't know. I shouldn't try and do kid humour or kid language, it doesn't work, but uh, yeah I think the word on the street is vacay is the word, Uh, holiday in the UK and vacation in the states. But yeah I was away for a week and a bit and um a huge thanks to all the people that helped me put out some bonus episode content for you guys to listen to, that would be Bo Ransdell and Ian Kesner for their Lost After Dark interview, The Baz who did fantastic filling episodes with me uh, right before I went and right after I came back, Um, we did our prize draw on that last episode as well as shooting the shit and talking about The Final Girls, a movie which myself and the Baz loved and which led us to this episode actually I didn't have anything planned for episode number 78 and when I'd asked for suggestions for content for our last bonus episode our our good buddy George Cook um, got back in touch to say Duncan you never really ever did check out that movie Splinter from 2008 that I asked you to do Fucking about a year ago. Um, Maybe minus a fucking, I don't think he swore. Uh, But yeah, that that was a good point. It's a movie that's been on my radar for quite a while now. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to bring in a guest that I have never spoken to on the show. I quite like bringing in new talent, uh, new podcasters, um, new reviewers, just new voices to come on the show and bring their... Dynamic review nature over to incorporate in with what we do over here, and obviously promote fantastic shows, and that's what we have on this show for you today. Uh, I'll be joined later on by Corp Psyops um, from Cinema Psyops, and he was an absolute blast to speak to, as you'll hear coming up in a couple of minutes. And we uh, we decided to do things a bit differently. He picked a film. That I had never seen before, um, and we both sat down and watched that and reviewed it, and then we picked Splinter, which neither myself nor himself had watched, and we uh, we checked that out, and the the review for that one is also coming on this show. I hope you guys are doing fantastic out there. It does kind of feel like I've not spoken to you in ages. Um, I like these little intros and outros because. Tends to be myself, and um, when the buzz is here, it's all about the Baz and rightly so. That man needs a giant spotlight on him at all times, um, and potentially some some sort of uh, uh, probation <laughs> collar around his leg, just so we know where he is at all times. But um, yeah, it's it feels it feels great to be back doing the numbered episodes, back to reviewing some movies, and there is a ton of content coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, I have already lined up another guest for this show brand new guest um, coming up over the next few weeks we will have my good buddy Ricky Morgan from the Hail Ming Power Hour podcast we're going to be looking at a couple of Italian horror movies because I love this guy because just like me he digs a bit of the, the 1970s and 80s Italian horror movies and uh, any excuse for me to chat about them it makes me happy. Uh, we'll have Richard Smiths coming back up uh, within the next month. We're looking at Two Evil Eyes which was something we proposed on the episode he was on previously and we'll be looking at that. The Baz is going to be coming on real soon, next couple of weeks as well to sit down and go through some cannibal horror. Horror movies with me um, before we sit down and tackle his uh, Halloween retrospective, the the entire look at the franchise. That's going to be a ton of fun as well. Also, I've planned a French extreme horror movie show uh, with Big Davey Buchanan from Rock and Real Reviews. Kind of found out recently that he'd never seen any of the new wave of French extremism and watched Martyrs and loved it and since then I think he's bought about seven or eight titles from about that time period. Um, And We are going to be doing on this show reviews of Inside and Frontiers which I can't fucking wait for. That's going to be a ton of fun as well. So tons of content, tons of shows coming your way. Um, And hopefully you guys dig them as much as I do. Also, we're currently in the planning and prep stage for the Cronenberg Roundtable, which will hopefully land within the next month and a bit. I'm still fine-tuning deadlines, etc. for all my guests. But yeah, that, that show's going to be fucking massive. An entire sweeping look at the the collective works of one of my favourite directors of all time, David Cronenberg. Um, So yeah, keep your eyes open for that one and your ears peeled or something which means that in a different way. I don't know. Um, But yeah, uh, so tons of content coming up on the show. We're also going to be running a competition um, towards the, the release of that rim table. Um, I have one copy of Arrow Video's Videodrome. Now this is not a special edition release, this is a standard release but it's a Blu-ray copy. It is unfortunately region locked for the, the Europe's. So if you are in the States, you would need a Universal player to play that. But keep your eyes open for that. There's going to be quite a few competitions coming up over the next month or so. um, With some really quite cool and interesting prizes. Uh, We're trying to be far more interactive this year with our listeners. So we're maybe even looking at potentially um, bringing more of your comments about movies into... shows so we will announce the shows well in advance if you want to write in with your thoughts and opinions we will tag them in on the reviews so we'll see if we can get that going if it doesn't take off then no harm no foul but if if we do start taking off with them um, and point of fact we actually have one of them on the show this week Uh, George Cook actually did write in to us at our email address podcast under the stairs at gmail.com to kind of voice his opinion as to why he's been pushing me to watch Splinter and so we will be covering that later on. So I think I've talked enough at the start of this episode, for those that asked on the Facebook page, yes I did have a fantastic holiday, thank you, it was good to get away, it's always good to come back, I do miss podcasting even when I don't do it for for a week, I kind of get the itch uh, to continue on Um, and thank you for all the love and support over on the Facebook page which was great while I was away, you didn't give Baz too much problems, Um, which part of me felt like if you were just going to do it, that was the time to do it, but uh, we'll save it off and we'll catch him on something else. And um, yeah, so I will be back to speak to you at the end of the show But first we're going to take a short break You're going to hear promos for shows from the Legion Podcast Network The network that airs this show Proud member of that network And um, proud to be surrounded by a multitude of fantastic shows When I return after that break I'll be joined by my guest, Court PsyOps Right after this Hello? Hello,
1: who is this? Who are you trying to reach? I don't know. Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one?
0: Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is
1: that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh Yeah, Dan and Gaff.
0: Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them.
1: Hmm. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So, where can I find the podcast on
0: Haunted Hill? Well, you could go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Um...
2: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, well, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. Unimaginable at twelve years old you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At thirteen you should not be fourteen you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even seventeen year olds should be watching this. Movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah. popping up Absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brains warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you movie.
0: watch this shit at twelve?
2: Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Sci-O.
0: And welcome back. So it is my great privilege and pleasure at this point to introduce a brand new guest to the podcast under the stairs. I don't get to see this enough while doing this show and I don't know why because I book the guests but um, I don't often get to see how excited I am to get the opportunity to chat to podcasters that I chat to online but never verbally chat to them through Skype. So um, this, this show has been... Uh, show has been one that i've been really looking forward to uh, probably since before i even went away on vacation um, so at this time allow me to introduce uh, my very good friend court psyops from cinema psyops podcast how you doing sir
3: oh i'm doing great man and you have a surprisingly large amount of room underneath the stairs here <laughs> for me to fit
0: <laughs> i do, I, do, I, do. Is it, I i mean it might the the sound of the show might sound a bit cramped but as it i like to think it's spacious I like to think that. There's, there's It's an inclusive under the stairs with enough room for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> um, so like I said, just at the start there, you um, host a podcast called Cinema PsyOps. I think the last episode you put out was like number 30, is that right?
3: Yes, that's correct.
0: Jesus, that's a That's a landmark in itself. Um, and you've been doing that for the, the last year or so, isn't it? It's about...
3: Um, it's just a little over a half of a year now. we kind of just started releasing year? Stuff.
0: yeah, right I thought it was longer than that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> sometimes it feels longer, but it's only been about a little over six months. When we hit uh, twenty six it was six months because we've been doing one a week.
0: yeah yeah
2: that,
3: that that's been my big thing is get it out on a regular schedule, put it out on the same day, if not a little bit earlier, and make sure you you know keep it going for the people that want to listen to it
0: exactly the, dependable that's exactly the same way i approach it it's a it's a lost art there's a lot of shows that um get bogged under with a lot of things and they really struggle to maintain that kind of maintain a, a, a kind of sensible time frame for them or a time scale but um yeah i, I do enjoy i do enjoy knowing that um my attention feed will will pop uh, uh, kind of it reloads like once every two or three days, have it set up with, and I do get a bit giddy when I notice there's a new episode that's popped up under your feed, so um, it's, a, it's a great honour to have you here. I was saying um, to you just, just off air, one of the things I like to do, especially with my, my new guests, um, who inevitably become repeat guests, but at, at the start when they're fresh faced and full of enthusiasm under the stairs, I like to ask them a bit about themselves. Um, you know what's their what's their background history with horror? Uh, what you know? Where do they gravitate to within the genre? Um, and just from chatting kind of off air, and we can go into a bit more here. You were you were saying that very much like myself, like horror got in young, like really young. Like when they say when they're talking about serial killers, and they say <laughs> yeah yeah, the trauma got in at a young age, and that's why they do the things they do. Um, there's a lot of podcasters, the horror gotten young, and you fall within that camp. You've been watching them since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, is that safe to say?
3: Um, probably even shorter than that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my horror actually, my love of horror goes back to um, even uh, before I could probably even talk. <laughs> um, I would have this thing where I would gravitate towards these you know, bizarre images and I remember being a small kid and sneaking around and like looking at a mirror to have a reflection of the tv when my parents would be watching something and i was supposed to be in bed mm-hmm. and, you know like as a toddler i would try and watch stuff like that and i won't reveal the the first movie that i saw like that because uh, i think some of the people well oh fuck it i'll just say it the exorcist i was <laughs> oh, probably <no>. like <laughs> i was probably like a toddler and i think they rented it and were watching it my mom and dad and i just kind of snuck out of you know my little room and ran out through the hallway and just kind of hid and there's two mirrors the way that our house was set up mm-hmm. and if you looked in one and just the right angle it would direct you directly to the TV and I watched a good portion of the possession scenes there and I was hooked. Um, I, I loved, uh, I know they released them here in the States but I don't know if you guys got them overseas or not but there were these great books. They had uh, orange covers, and they were the Crestwood House Monster series. I don't know if you guys ever had those. It's
0: not something I'm familiar with. They may have they may have existed. I, I unfortunately, had uh, a parent who would only get me Stephen King books growing up. So um, it, was, it was, was King or nothing. So.
3: How was that unfortunate? That's amazing, Duncan.
0: Uh, you, you you say that, but they're, they're yeah. King's <laughs> hit or miss for me. People know my opinion on King. I, some of it is great. Some of it not so great. Uh, I think it was about maybe I was about twelve or thirteen before I found Clive Barker, and Clive Barker was more my more, more my scene. Uh, I had a bit more of the the fantastical about it that that I think sometimes Stephen King struggles with. It's, it's like oh. that. We need something fantastical. Put in aliens. Um, so uh, put in a giant
3: floating turtle from space.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, every every single. Story should have one of them. <laughs> it should be somewhere in there. And if it doesn't, I don't want to read it. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I, 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 there could very well be... There'll be listeners from the UK screaming at their devices just now saying, they were huge in Scotland, Duncan. They were huge in the UK. How do you, don't, how do you not know this? But I take it that's something that you were kind of hooked on then.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Crestwood Monster House series was... Uh, it, it's sort of like a thing that they would do where they would market to schools for kids. There were these like little almost, you could call them almost like pocket books where you could stick them in your back pocket. And they had these hard orange covers that were, uh, they they had monsters on the front of them and the books would specialize. You would have one for Godzilla, you would have one for like the Wolfman or all the incarnations of the werewolf from Universal. Uh, They had them for Dracula, they had them from the Creature from the Black Lagoon. And as a kid, like we're talking kindergarten and on, my, my school library had these and I checked them out every day, one right after the other uh just nonstop, just kept reading these books and they gave you behind the scenes you could see how jack pierce would build the frankenstein's monster makeup and all of that and i was obsessed with that stuff Mm -hmm. so i mean we're talking very young age and then as soon as video stores started hitting the extremely rural area that i grew up in that was the first thing that i did was i would beeline it right to the horror section as a little kid and just stare at the covers yeah and I would look at the covers, and in my imagination, the things that I would come up with and think was actually in the movie, like almost Mary Whitehouse style, where I did oh, yeah, yeah film to know what was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would just be like, "Oh my gosh," you know. And I was just so obsessed with the stuff. And immediately, my mother would see me there and just grab me and drag me away from, you know, from that section and try and keep me away from it. But they, they couldn't. The more they tried to deny, the more the the horror just grabbed me and just put its hooks deeper and deeper into me as a kid. Eventually, they kind of like uh, they noticed that I like the Crestwood House monster series. So they kind of I don't want to say gave in, but also just kind of like, well, maybe this will satiate him. So yeah. my mom started renting like, you know, like the Dracula and the Universal Monsters. And I was obsessed with those. And I still am to this day. Mm-hmm. I have a Frankenstein's monster tattoo on the inside of my right forearm. And then I have the bride on the outside of my right forearm.
0: That's badass, man. That's badass
3: and they're both based on uh i'm not sure if you know the artist or not but basil gogos who did a lot of the famous monsters of filmland yeah magazine.
0: yeah i do indeed that's fantastic I, i've yeah. not seen those tattoos yet I, w- I will need to take a sneak peek when we're when we're finished uh, recording
3: oh i'll i'll post them yeah definitely
0: de- definitely Let museum i've uh i've big lover of though you know i'm heavily tattooed myself and i have one arm which is is more kind of dedicated to the horror stuff and he's an artist i greatly admire actually And i've never seen many tattoos actually um based on his artwork so I, i'm really looking forward to checking them out
3: oh and i've got a great tattoo artist here in omaha that uh, does an amazing amazing job and he loves that kind of art where you know like sort of i don't want to call it pop art but you know what i mean yeah he yeah that, that's particular style so
0: yeah, see, that's fantastic. So you, a, 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 a child very much like myself kind of grown up on the, the horror thing and it obviously inevitably ends up that uh, we end up with podcasts. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a, we're ordained to, to end up in a podcast. And like you say, yours has been going for... This uh, this past half a year, um, you have a new series coming up real soon. Uh, though you were telling me about, it. I don't know if you how much you can actually talk about it on oh, this yeah. show. Um, but you, which when you when you told me the the idea behind it, I just thought it was like such a such a cool idea, such an original idea as well. I've never heard any other show put forward a run of shows like that. Um, so yeah, if you let the listeners know, so they can go and check them out.
3: Yeah, it's uh, essentially we don't really have a name for it yet, but I've been kind of kicking around with the with the title of "Bring Your Own Trauma" series. <laughs> and the reason for that is I kind of realized right off the bat that the the show was starting to get a little too centered on me and my experiences as a kid, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to open that up and share it. So I wanted to bring in you know other fellow podcasters and/or well, there's a few listeners actually of the show that wanted to do it and kind of participate as well. And what what we're having them do is come in with a movie that they saw at far too young an age, you know, like like myself and being twelve and seeing like I spit on your grave and those types of (laughs) things. Which my co my co-host Matt will never let me lay down. I mean, he's legitimately upset that like he brings it up constantly. Even when we're not recording, he just like looks at me like with this fatherly look of disgust, like, I can't believe you did this. And so what I wanted to kind of do is uh, bring that in and like have other people bring in films that they saw at far too young an age. And then we're not going to know, both Matt and myself, while we're doing the review of the movie and talking about it with them. Mm -hmm. So the the actual style of the show, we're going to cover the movie exactly the same way. We're just bringing in a third person and it's going to be like the reveal of what age they saw it at. And uh, if I had actually seen it at such a young age as well, then we'll have that dynamic of Matt deciding whether or not it could have damaged both myself and the guest ah. or, you know, just the guest. So I'm really excited for that because, you know, my ego is big enough from doing the show as is. I don't need to increase it any further by making sense <laughs> around me.
0: <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And um, I know we've kind of been chatting offline about uh, me making an appearance. I've actually picked a film... Um, I will speak to you probably, probably over the next week to, to to try and arrange something and see if I can swing in some sort of recording because it is something that I think sounds really, really cool. Where can people check out your show, core if they're not already subscribing um, and ch- checking it out? Where can they find it?
3: Uh, we are in iTunes and we are also in Stitcher. We've also been placed into Google Play. Uh, you can just search for the show Cinema PsyOps, P-S-Y-O-P-S, PsyOps which is, uh, you know, PSYOP, as in government institution to do psychological operations for the military. <laughs> that's the, kind of the idea for the show. <laughs> I don't know if people ever got that or not. <laughs> but that's what, a, that, that's what a PSYOP is. It's a, it's a, a, a military operation mm-hmm. to use psychological warfare. <laughs> uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, you can find us there. We have a group as well. Um, I'm available. I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook as well, and I respond very quickly if somebody messages me, mm-hmm. tweets at me, or anything like that. Because I love getting responses from the listeners. I like to hear what people you know have to say and what they feel about the show. <laughs> That's where you can find us. All those areas there.
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. And I, like I say, it's it's a show that I think is is just getting better week on week it's a, it's an incredible listen. you guys have come a long way in such a very short time a lot less time than i actually thought um right the format of this show is slightly different this week um generally what i would do is i'd pick two movies and i would try where possible depending on how much i can be bothered i try and fling in a theme um what, what i decided to do is we um last week for the listeners out there that listened to that shambles of a show with the Baz, um, due due to poor planning um, and the the need to get a show out every week, um, we kind of threw a lot of ideas out to see what would stick on the wall and our listeners, our great listeners came back and suggested that we review the final girls which we did on the last episode and my good buddy George Cook who has has been listening to the show for over a year now, came back at me and said remember that time I said go and review Splinter and you said oh I've never seen that movie I will do it and we're a year later and you still haven't done it yet um, and I was like that's right and I feel terrible about it George so the decision was pretty much made we were going to cover it in this show I sold it to Court, Court was on board right away um, and then I thought you know what would be quite fun as if court flung a movie back at me and you picked a movie that I knew absolutely fuck all about uh, which is Chasing Sleep from 2000 that's the first movie we're going to be discussing we're going to drop out just now have a very short break you're going to hear the trailer for that movie when we return myself and court are going to be chatting at Chasing Sleep from 2000 right after this
1: once there was a show called the Not-So-Evil episode Sidecast. It was a long name, Batman, no one could ever remember. They released 25 episodes of brilliant film criticism. And like that, he's gone. Now, six months later... We're back! I didn't know we were gone. We've got a brand new name, new movies to review, but the same old attitude.
3: Foul language and obscure references? Count me in! Each episode, we pick a topic, watch four movies related to that topic, then bicker amongst ourselves to decide which film is the best.
2: We are the Theme Warriors!
3: Join Iris, Jeffrey X. Martin, Doug Tilley, and myself for Theme, theme Warriors. Warriors. Four people, four movies, one dynamite show. Catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts, as well as the Legion Podcast Network.
2: That's the Theme, theme Warriors. Warriors! Don't want to sleep no more! Who are you
3: people? <laughs> your, uh, your wife didn't come home, is that right? Yes, yes. When was the last time you saw her?
1: She disappeared, I haven't seen if her. If you heard her, I swear I'm, I'm gonna kill you, you fucking asshole! I'll kill you! <laughs> Mr. Saxon, these
3: investigations can be quite demanding, especially when experiencing the trauma of loss. Do you
1: understand what I'm saying?
2: One second!
1: I do seem to be having problems with my conscience. Do you think that's why I can't sleep? Could be. Is there anything you can give me? A prescription for your conscience.
0: So in, in the in the break there, in the and that that kind of section where you were hearing promos for shows that I genuinely think are fantastic, and the trailer for this this movie Chasing Sleep, Court kind of pitched this idea to me, and I think it's great. Um, he said that maybe the theme of the show should be movies that Duncan didn't know anything about, which is yeah accurate. I knew nothing about either of these movies, so I like that. We're keeping it. We're keeping it. Once again, I've stolen one of Court's ideas. It's now mine. Uh, I will use it all the time um, and, and that's how, that's how I'm going to do things and there's nothing anyone can do about it because it's my show um, I genuinely knew nothing about Chasing Sleep um, it's directed by Michael Walker written by Michael Walker the movie stars Jeff Daniels which surprised me straight away Molly Price Ben Schenckman uh, Gil Bellows Michelle Herd Emily Bergle Julian McMahon uh, Guy, Sandville, other folks We're not going to go too far into all that uh, Synopsis for the movie As listed on IMDb is a college professor wakes up to find his wife Has not returned home Then struggles to understand her disappearance um, I think the reason this kind of threw me Is the fact uh, We were obviously kind of looking for that second movie This is one of the ones you came back with I think this was your first suggestion actually Was Chasing Sleep, Is that right? Yeah, I
3: asked if you had uh, done it yet on the show. Yeah,
0: um. and I was like, not only have I not done it, I, I don't know what strange foreign language you're speaking. I've never heard of a movie called Chasing Sleep before. And you're like, Jeff Daniels is in it? And I was like, I love Jeff Daniels. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> it's like, what? Um, and then you were like, oh, yeah, it's a trippy film. And you said you used a couple of words to describe it. Um and from those couple of words, I was like, "Yeah, sold." You like that's. I don't even need to look at a trailer or anything. Completely on board with this movie. Um, so, for the first time, I sat down and I checked out this movie. And I'll I'll say up front, um, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's a very, very limited cast, but and it's got like a, it's got really one location um but it's just it, it just works so well for it so before i go into to huge orgasmic speeches about uh what i thought really worked in this movie why did you pick this movie court
3: uh well just to kind of pull back the curtain on both of our lives a little bit we've we've talked a lot on facebook before we actually ended up working together mm-hmm. and both of us kind of suffer from insomnia yes <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for me in my adult life, mine is not, uh, has, been, has not been as bad, uh, it's, but primarily in my teens is where it was the worst, mm-hmm. where I would go a day, maybe two, and not be able to sleep, sometimes three, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's certain effects that happen to you when you uh, like, lack sleep for several days. <laughs> your, your brain starts basically putting you into a dream mode while you're still awake. You start seeing things, you start hearing things uh, that aren't there. And you kind of know that it's not real, but at the same time, the more lack of sleep that you have, like the the longer you go without sleeping, the more realistic this stuff starts to feel. And from suffering from that, I knew that we would both have a good conversation, you know, from that lack, you know, knowing what that feels like, because that's exactly where this film kind of its base is, is a man who cannot sleep Mm -hmm. and who has like these increasingly strange and bizarre events that happen to him. As you know, as he goes days and days without sleep, and you know that kind of like the loss of time that he experiences, and all the things that we're about to dig into, I knew that that alone would at least give us a good conversation.
0: Yeah, I think um, you're one hundred percent spot on when it comes to insomnia. I've had it since my late teens, and it comes and goes in waves with me. Um, There are weeks where I will have as little as about six hours collectively. Um, sleep. There are other weeks where I sleep semi-normal, maybe about four or five hours a night every night, um, and it comes and goes uh, with no real sense of pattern at all. It's just basically my brain constantly runs at a speed which doesn't make sense to anyone, even when I'm on my downtime. Um, and I'm am a firm believer of of no medication for, for you. Know, I don't want to be in a position where you know I end up taking something and then have a, a crutch or necessity to to take that over and over again to, to achieve something which is supposed to be natural um, and I love how this movie kind of focuses on the impact of pharmaceuticals and there's a lot of shots of people taking pills for different things which I think um, works really well in the movie but yeah th- you bring in this movie to me once I started watching the movie I kind of got this this kind of sinking feeling that maybe it was like a kind of proto version of The Machinist from uh, 2004 or even to an extent Insomnia uh, which is in itself a remake um, of a a Scandinavian movie the one with uh, Pacino and Robin Williams. I kind of got this feeling where you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna find out something bad has happened to this character um, or this character has done something and his lack of sleep is the byproduct of that and that's not the case in this movie to, to a huge extent because the movie does end up the way I thought the movie was going to end up fairly early into it um, but I don't think that's the mystery that the movie is trying to put forward um it's we i think it's, it's safe to say and like a, like with every review on this show we are we are spoiling this movie so if you haven't seen chasing sleep this is one that if you go into it, pretty cold and you've not seen a movie like this before there may be details in it which you'll find as like these really cool revelations um or surprises or mysteries that unfold so certainly check it out before this review um if you have seen it you've stuck around or you haven't seen it you've stuck around well god help your soul uh (laughs) but yeah the, the thing i the thing that i thought was quite interesting was like basically from about five minutes into this movie i knew jeff daniels had killed his wife There was no way it wasn't going to go that way, the sort of movie it is. Um, I was waiting for the twist to be that he hadn't done it, Um, and I'm really happy that he didn't do that, because the longer the story goes on, the more we find out about his psychology, um, and the more we find out about the relationship with his partner, um, and how complicated that was towards the end and that's the bit that's a mystery for me as more information comes out the more your attitudes towards Jeff Daniels change as a character um, at the very start his wife is missing so we were in the kind of what well, you know have you had an argument why is he being a bit you know but, but he genuinely does look very he looks very distraught about the situation however within about 15 minutes of this movie there's a conversation that he has with the, the the gym teacher at his wife's school where he almost maliciously puts across this idea that she's went missing and he doesn't know what's happening which changes your opinion of jeff daniels character again and um, within the next 20 to 30 minutes there's there's these ideas of things were not all that great at home and then we find that she's had uh, an affair then it goes one step further (laughs) you know within 15 minutes of that we find that she's actually been pregnant by that affair Um, and it continues on that way and that to me is one of the greatest strengths of this movie is that it is a mystery that keeps giving you a little bit more information as it goes along and when watching it the initial... Sort of comparisons I had were to movies like The Machinist. It's difficult not to have that comparison to The Machinist, was is a guy that is uh, cannot sleep because he is tortured by an event that happened that he can't remember, can't quite grasp until the very end. Um, and this one actually reminded me more along the lines of it kind of it reminded me of a movie called Shattered from the early nineties, which is a a mystery movie that people have not seen they really need to check this movie out it stars bob hoskins Um, and it's a mystery built upon a mystery built upon a mystery and as we travel throughout the movie as more details are released you kind of think you know about this you kind of think you know what's happening with the character Um, and then there's a twist towards the end which kinda confirms what you maybe always kinda thought you knew about the character, but which was completely different. And that really drew me in. And I thought Jeff Daniels, who is an actor who is more known for in the past certainly from this time frame of being more involved with kinda quirky comedies or even kinda the the kinda the darker comedy side of things has obviously went on and since become more of a serious actor through things like the newsroom. Um which even has an element of comedy to it as well, he plays this role perfectly. He plays edgy, psychotic, caring, loving. He he runs the full gambit of emotions and personalities in a very, very, very convincing and very understandable sort of way. And that's before we even start delving into the sleep science. Um, In terms of how the story unfolded to you, I mean, did you kind of think, the same as me when watching it for the very first time i know it's a, a while ago since you watched it for the first time but did you did you come in the same way did you think you knew kind of how the movie was ending anyway but it was a journey to get to that end which was a more interesting part
3: actually absolutely um within like i can't remember exactly what time frame it happens but he makes the call he talks to i think it's paul on the 911 Mm -hmm. And he basically just kind of doesn't know if he wants to report it yet or not. He calls one of her friends. And then he sits around for a little bit and then decides to make the call again. And he talks to that guy, Paul. They send a police officer out. And it's literally within, like, just a—it feels like it's—it's like he just hangs up and the guy's already there. Yeah. So they automatically set up that this guy has been missing time. There's not something—there's something wrong with him. There's not—he's not right, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And while talking with the police officer, I mean, we're talking probably within the first couple of minutes of the movie actually starting. He drops the line where he says, my wife drove and then corrects himself very obviously, drives. Yeah. Whatever type of car. And from that point, on, the I remember the first time I watched it, from that point, I'm like, you fucking murdering bastard. You killed your <laughs> wife. <laughs> <laughs> it was like right there. I was like, okay, well, you know, and as, as you watch it for the first time and you see that, you're like, oh, well. Well, it looks like this movie's spoiled for me. You know, what are they going to do that's going to keep me interested from here? You know, you kind of get that "oh, I've seen this all before" attitude at the film when you first start it, almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, right at that, uh, right at that point, after he was done talking with the police officer, you know, and the the more they start doing the the lapse of time, because whenever the the lover kind of emerges and shows up. Which was George Simeon? I love that they named him that, meaning oh, yeah. you know, like an ape.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. What he is. That's absolutely great. <laughs> uh, and uh,
3: so, when George Simeon, which is uh, he was in Nip and Tuck, wasn't he?
0: That's right. That was the big role. I think he went on. He did like uh, Fantastic Four and things like that. And it's in the showrunners Doctor Doom. But that was his. He's more prominent role about this time would have been, uh, you know, Nip Tuck.
3: Which one was he? Was he Nip or Tuck? <laughs>
0: I love this idea of now being like a buddy cop series called Nip and Tuck. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that would have been one I watched. <laughs> we're not talking about that show. We're talking about Chasing Sleep. <laughs> and, and saying that, though, Nip Tuck had... Like, I, I was a big fan of that show for, like, the first four seasons. Um, it kind of lost me towards the end. Um, there was issues to do with the writer's strike at the time as well, which delayed off. One of the, the seasons or split it in half. But there was some unbelievably dark material in Nip and it didn't, so when people were surprised that um, you know the guy went off and did Glee then did American Horror Story and people were like I can't believe this guy from Glee did American Horror Story look how dark it is and I was like yeah but he did Nip which was a really dark fetishized TV show about plastic surgery and murder I mean so yeah, it kind of makes sense. He's <laughs> American Horror Story. If anything, I was surprised it did Glee. Um, <laughs> where, where was the shock at all with that? You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of more what he's and he has a small part in the movie, not not a big part, but I do like his part in it because he is the you could see on some level why she would be more attracted to George over Ed because Ed is a a kind of he's not a he's not a failed. Person by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a you know he's he's a writer who had some fairly successful poetry, but life got in the way, and like a lot of people who who work in an industry where there isn't a lot of money, and there isn't a lot of money in poetry until you're dead, really. um, You know he's he's had to kind of sacrifice that up, and he's had to do what a lot of people that write novels when they're younger, or he's ultimately had to become a teacher, he's a professor, and he's not happy. He's, he's not happy with his life and I think maybe on some level that is contributing to the fact that he can't sleep because he's restless, he's got a lot in his mind um, and when you see George who is, you know, the, the it looks like he's been chiselled out of stone, um, he looks very dashing and all, all the things that Jeff Daniels' character isn't, it's not difficult to believe why she would have an affair with this guy. Um, so I think, small part, but I think he, he plays it great but i think you hit the nail on the head the, the the movie doesn't really feel the need you know it's not trying to be all cloak and daggers with, with you know it sets its cards out pretty quick this is what happens the story that you're going to watch really really is to find out why or how he did it um, and we, we relive that through weird flashbacks, noises that keep happening, which we can't quite make out why they're happening. And the cop who I would have put money on at the start of this movie was part of his psyche. So when that cop showed up so quickly at the start, I thought, oh, this is a uh, you know this guy doesn't really exist. He's probably on par with the the uh, Willem Dafoe uh, cop in American Psycho who's really there to be like a kind of weird conscience for Patrick Bateman it's kind of the same idea and he kind of plays off like that at first but very quickly we realise that I think he himself knows there's something a bit fishy with this and he's really just kind of go kind of hanging around here to try and wait for that moment where Ed's mask of sanity slips a bit and he gets more information that comes out.
3: I think you hit the nail on the head there uh, actually quite well because this is one of those, it's one of those films that has, I, I like to refer to it as, and I know other people use it as the unreliable narrator. Yes. When you're following Jeff Daniels and you're seeing everything pretty much from his perspective, even though it's not like, you know, the first person perspective in the shots or anything, but it's, it's his, it's this character story of Ed Saxon. When you're following him, everything that he's experiencing, you're experiencing at the same time. And slowly but surely reality chips away from this guy and you don't even know i mean at the very beginning of the film it's sort of like he wakes up but it also kind of looks like he's been in bed just kind of staring at this giant hole in the ceiling as it rots away from Mm -hmm. the pipes you know and you just kind of you just kind of follow him from there you don't really know what's going on and you know you're brought into the reality of the film but the reality kind of shifts it's it feels almost like a, uh, a David Lynch type film. Like They were, they were going for that kind of augmented, yes. shifted reality that's just, is it real or is it not? Particularly like, uh, I feel a lot of Lost Highway in this film. Like, yes. uh, a lot of what Bill Pullman's character experiences in that is what Ed Saxon is kind of going through. But instead of having the budget to be on the road and doing all this crazy stuff, you're just stuck in this guy's shitty house that's falling apart around him.
0: I think that's. I think once again, this is why this is why it's awesome doing a show with you right now because I feel that we are coming down pretty much identically in opinions. It it did does have a Lynchian vibe to it. It has a weird kind of Cronenberg kind of vibe as well. And the reveal of the the kind of (laughs) like adolescent baby creature thing in the bath towards the very end of the movie is like something straight from either Orlovsky's uh, possession or Lynch's uh, eraser head or Cronenberg's naked lunch. You know, it, it's so disjarring and it so adds to this, this idea of how, how far gone this guy's brain is and you 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 kind of said and I, th- I think you the accurate thing about saying is that some people will say that they have insomnia and it's they have you know they maybe get like seven hours a night you know i just can't get that extra hour um that's not <laughs> that is not fucking insomnia insomnia is the inability to sleep even when your body is is exhausted and your brain craves that sweet, sweet sleep. And when you close your eyes, nothing happens. You just can't get to that level. Um, and you're spot on. By day two of that, you feel sick. You kind of have a sicky feeling in your stomach. Um, and it's not long after that, that your brain will start to play minor tricks on you. Just small things like you thought you put your coffee mug down on the t- it's not there where is it? it's over there your brain just disregards a memory it's there but it just disregards it um, to the point where uh, not long after that you will start seeing things one of my uh, favorite memories of um, describing insomnia to someone was when I was 19 I think I was going close to maybe three full days of no sleep and I remember sitting in my room back, back at my parents and looking at the floor And the floor was breathing. It was moving in time with my breath. It was like inhaling and exhaling. And then I looked at the the wallpaper border that I had, which was moving around the room like a train. It was just moving constantly and just thinking, this is is horrible. It was a sick, queasy feeling. Um, And then I must have fallen asleep. And then when I woke up, I dashed out the house, ran to the shops to buy a loaf of bread and brought it back and my mother wondering why i bought her bread and I remember vividly a full conversation that I had with her which ended with you need to go and buy bread and that conversation never happened um, your brain starts to play tricks through sleep it all kind of merges together and it's horrible and I think they do a wonderful job um, portraying that in this movie and I think Jeff Daniels plays a fantastic part it's not as method as a... Uh, a Christian Bale in The Machinist who lost ridiculous amounts of weight and, and really kind of shows you the extremes that it goes to on that level where you're just emaciated by by no sleep but Jeff Daniels questioning things his overall confusion and then basically how pale his skin starts to get towards the end um, and how just gaunt and unwell he looks as a character I think is a very accurate representation I think it sells the movie to me, as someone who has an on and off again relationship with the, with Insomnia, but it kind of puts forward, and not a patronising or unbelievable sort of way to an audience that could be primarily made up of great sleepers. I think it kind of puts that across of, this is kind of how it feels to be there. There's a weird wooziness, a lynching wooziness that's in this movie, which is put over by the fact that the character just can't sleep. Um, and, like you say, this unreliable narration in the movie um, starts to, like, we genuinely full sections of this movie happen and we don't know f- the conversations he's having with people, if they are the way that he is perceiving them and, by proxy, how the audience perceives them, or, or whether or not, you know, he's he's giving away a bit too much or not enough or, or whatever, and he ultimately, he ultimately leads the police to him. At the, at the very end, he, he dreams a conversation with the police officer where the police officer says, We've found her body. It wasn't far away from the car which was parked near that George Simeon's house, um, and her body was found in the woods. And when he relays that information to the psychotherapist that's been sent to him and says that all out, and then he phones the police officer, the police officer's like, Nah, he's pretty much told them where the body is. So. Through this this kind of lack of sleep, his his brain has tricked him into to basically acknowledging guilt, which I think is once again is done incredible in this movie. Um, it's a really it's a really it's a really fucking good movie. Court. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Oh yeah, th- these are these are the sort of movies that I mean I I do another show called uh, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, and I pride myself on that show that every single show we do each each person on that show is going to get to review a film that they've never seen before and sometimes never heard of before that I relish that, that the gaps in my genre knowledge that someone can come and say check this movie out and when it hits me that in a way that I'm like this you know if it's a movie I don't like then I kind of think oh, I, f- I feel vindicated this is why I didn't see it, even though I didn't know about it but when it's a movie that I really like or I like the way just an element of the movie I kind of feel like it's excitement it's that that, that getting to find a little gem out there which you didn't know about and this definitely falls into the camp of that I think even though the score is a very minimal score in this movie but it's used brilliantly to to kind of convey this tension the movie couldn't have been shot in that much money either because of the location etc but it just works you have this kind of constant claustrophobic feel of being trapped in this house with someone who's slowly losing their mind Um, and when they start to piece together when he starts to piece together his crime at the end and there's so many different I love how it kind of sets up the the kind of fake idea of different things, but never truly explains. See, to me, what the, this movie would have been ruined at the very end when the camera pans to her playing the piano. If we had then seen the murder, I would not have held this movie in a high regard at all. I would have said, why are you giving us the cliche dumb end of let's explain it just in case she didn't get it, he's the murderer. It doesn't do that. Um this movie sets up a whole series of gruesome ways that he could have potentially got rid of the body. There's a fixation of the camera on the garbage disposal and the sink several times in this movie. He even flushes at one point an imaginary chopped-off finger that moves like a caterpillar along his floor. Um, then there's the idea of maybe he disposed the body down the toilet because the toilet's blocked. And then there's this idea of maybe he did something in the bath with the body. But it never explains it. You never fully see what happened. And I think that is testament to this filmmaker. Because there's a lot of people out there that would feel they need to show you. Are bow to pressure to studios who tell you the audience needs to see this. And Michael Walker doesn't do that. And I think that might fall into the camp because he wrote the movie. Erm... but, yeah, to me, it, works, it worked incredibly well.
3: Actually, uh, you know how on my show I like to always look a little too deep into things and try and find symbolism and all of that? Yes. I've, I've actually done that for this film. So, <laughs> One of the things that I, I kind of took notes about was the plumbing issues that are in this house. Mm-hmm. It's not just because he essentially may have disposed of the body by... I think he may have chopped it up in the bathtub and then flush pieces down the toilet and then some of the more bonier bits that he couldn't get down the toilet maybe he went through the garbage disposal with because they do kind of recreate that when he finds that creepy-ass Cronenberg-like crawling finger across the (laughs) floor. But I actually think that the, the plumbing issues in the house are actually representative of Ed Saxon's emotional repression because in his wife's diary there's some discussion about the days before something actually happened, the buildup, he had actually slowly but surely been, his insomnia was getting worse and worse. He was more and more moving from rational thought, and he was already downing all of those pills that he was trying to take to be able to sleep. Mm-hmm. And when he starts doing that, she describes that in the in the actual diary when he's reading it. And I, or I think that what ends up happening is it's kind of a, a large indicator of, his slow, like, descent into madness before her death. And I think when she dies, I think when we start on the film, it's after he had gotten that release. And I think he actually got and had gotten some sleep after he had taken his wife's life <clears throat> because he had, he had gotten some revenge. And that way, like, some of that, that repressed anger and that, that rage got let go. And... We actually see sort of, like, there's a lot of shots of the house where you can kind of see, like, where the, I mentioned the rotting ceiling earlier, that's caused by a leaking water pipe of some sort. Mm-hmm. It's leaving, like, a large gaping hole, and it's right above their marriage bed. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's it's symbolic of, like, their, their marriage rotting from within, I think, almost, the way that they set that up.
0: Did you think that um, Ed's character was impotent?
3: Um, I think it's a possibility. I kind of uh,
0: thought that as well. I kind of thought the idea of her getting pregnant by someone else and the, the plumbing issues as well may, may be some sort of attempt to put forward this idea that they couldn't conceive and that may have been one of the pressures in the marriage. And the, maybe the final tipping point was the fact she conceived by someone else who had maybe come across this diary before and read it and that was the final straw when they found out that she had actually got pregnant by another man.
3: I kind of disagree, I think he didn't know until the cops revealed it when really? they found the diary uh-huh. because the reason for that is he actually starts getting slightly better and he looks like he's doing okay, yeah and it's it's in like there is a bit of a backup which um for me whenever the toilet backs up and the tub backs up and all the plumbing starts making noises, that's like the sound of his repressed feelings being pushed to the surface once again, yeah that's kind of how I looked at it uh-huh. and uh when he ends up uh dealing with it and he gets the tub to drain and he gets the toilet to drain and then the cops come and he he gets that big reveal of the the fact that his wife was pregnant and i think when he says he legitimately says oh i didn't know that yeah i I think the guilt that he had over killing her was minimal he felt he was justified but knowing that he also resulted in taking the life of an innocent child that just so happened to be inside of his wife even though he didn't put it there i mean there's that as well I think that's when uh, that's, that sort of buildup of all that stuff started happening again because we see the pipes getting worse. That's they right, make,
0: from that point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good They point, make actually. more
3: noises, things start backing up even further, and the hallucinations and the loss of time even starts getting more and more, you know, worse. And it's increasingly bad with his barbiturate use because he's trying to take these pills that are supposed to make him sleep. Mm -hmm. And he he ends up just basically like downing like most of the bottle. And then the psychiatrist gives him even stronger ones, and he ends up taking all of those and chugging wine, just anything he can do.
0: To get sleep, yeah.
3: And I think that that man-sized baby thing that pops up in the tub, I think that is actually the manifestation of Ed's guilt over that baby that he was completely unaware of. And so whenever you sort of see the... You don't actually see full-fledged dismemberment. The way that the film shoots it is so gruesome and beautiful at the same time yes
0: yeah, it's an because incredible it's, shot
3: it's it's jeff daniels like you see him the camera's like underwater and jeff daniels character ed saxon is like slicing something and then the blood just fills the water mm-hmm. and it almost obscures your vision of him and all you see is blood and little bits of groove floating in the water which is just a breathtakingly horrifying shot oh yeah
0: yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible one of those one of those moments where you're reminded that this director and i think this 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 is either his first or second movie, but to me, I was quite surprised to find out this was like an early directorial effort because there are certain shots in this movie that are just fucking wonderful to look at. Um, and once again, it's this this idea of tempering your your hand with your story, um, and that you do, you don't need to spoon spoon feed an audience that murder sequence. Sometimes the more horrific aspect of something is being in a position where we see someone's reaction to something. The fact that we see him commit the murder but we don't see the acts that, he, that he's doing and then we see the, the the blood come out, you then instinctively think you know what's happened. and That kind of open, open idea to interpretation as an audience member um, I think works really well within the movie and it's it's one of these things that you tend to find that sort of stuff comes with a more seasoned filmmaker where they you know they don't feel the need to 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 spell everything out to the audience they kind of think they know their audience to an extent and that's exactly what i felt watching watching this movie is that the greatest asset for this movie is that it focuses on the characters and not the the actual deed itself the murder if if anything, is is the, the background to... It's the justification for us following Jeff Daniels' character around for these couple of days we're with him, but it's the following around of that character that is the, the interesting aspect of the movie. It's the, the psychological analysis, day by day, of someone who, like you said right at the start, is unreliable in, in terms of how he tells his story, and the more we find out about it, the more things... The more your opinion of the character changes, because um, there there were sections in this movie that I genuinely felt sorry for him, um, and then there was other sections where I was like, "You're a fucking monster," um, and that's that's good storytelling to me. It should give you that that roller coaster ride of of emotions towards your, your central character. Who, yeah, the the more you the more you follow him, the more you find out about him. The more he's a dislikable character. Um, but at yeah. the same time,
3: you still feel sorry for him of the course. entire
0: time because he can't remember what he did. That's yeah. the thing. He's done something so horrible and so unspeakable that he has this guilt rotting away his insides like the plumbing in the house, um, and he, he he doesn't he doesn't know what it is. And you you know that if he just gets that sleep that he craves that maybe it might start coming back to him, but he can't and nothing's helping him. And like I say, there's a lot of pharmaceuticals in this one. I love that, and we focus on people taking pills quite a lot in the movie, which I, I quite like as well. I don't know if that's the director maybe making a statement about, um, a societal statement about the need for pharmaceuticals to, to get through the day. I don't know, um, maybe I'm putting too much into that, but I really like that aspect as well. But he, he cleverly focuses on things. I think it's movie. because
3: Ed has a problem with barbiturates trying to help him sleep. I think he's addicted to whatever those pills are that he's taking. Yeah. And I think that because he notices other people possibly taking some medication here or there, or maybe he's hallucinating it because he needs more pills or he's craving more, um, it could have that that societal commentary, but at the same time, it could be just a manifestation of his addiction, the way that his you know hallucinating brain is just kind of, you know, take more pills. We need more now. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, This is the part of the show uh, that I like to ask my guests if they have any final thoughts, anything they want to say before we grade it. Court, anything else you want to say about Chasing Sleep before we assign it a little teapots grade? Yes,
3: uh, it's actually clear throughout most of the film, like we mentioned earlier, Ed Ed murdered his wife. And he's attempting to frame George Simeon. It's obvious that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's only when he actually discovers that he killed the child uh, when he murdered his wife that that guilt actually manifests itself and that's when we see the pipes backing up and it's like you said, it's rotting away the house from within, which is very representative of him. He's being rotted inside out with his guilt and his anger and his rage. And he just can't really, you know, put together the pieces. And when he finally does, it's essentially the end of the film. And, you know, he kind of realizes what it was that he lost. And that's why I think why they focus in on his wife playing the piano. Agreed. He's he's thinking about the the positive things and I think he's pretty much. I think he's dying there at the end of the film. I think yeah. what, all those the, the cocktails of pills and everything that he's popped, he's going too. And I think it's just one of those things where, like you said before, the cops definitely a hallucination. I don't think he ever actually called the police, even.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, I think you're spot on. Definitely. I think um, I I I I think that what I should do is thank you for suggesting the movie and give me an opportunity to see it. Uh, it's not a movie I probably would have come across ever <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything there's not out, out Jeff Daniels was been in in this movie there's nothing that would have been a grab for me to even find this through even a list or anything I genuinely had not heard anything about it and I'm so glad that I got to check it out um, as you are well aware caught on this show we like to do a little Netflix grade um, that's That simply means that 1 is hated it, 2 is didn't like it, 3 is liked it, 4 is really liked it, and 5 is loved it. You are allowed to assign 0.5s. Um, on that scale, where does Chase and Sleep come in for you?
3: I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. It's I- not a perfect movie, but mm-hmm. I absolutely really, really like it.
0: I am exactly the same as you <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought there was a lot of it that I really I found myself thinking about it the following day as well which is a huge credit to the movie I do like movies that that stay with you after the credits roll um, and yeah it, is, it was immensely enjoyable if not at the same time uh, kind of one of these really personal feeling movies like there's certain aspects to the, the insomnia are so on the nose It's difficult not to watch it and say, "I need to make sure that I never end up like that." Um,
3: (laughs) Yeah, if you if you suffer from insomnia, this is definitely a film that will be even more uncomfortable for you. Besides the horror elements, because they get that way too close.
0: They do. They really get it right hit that nail right on the head Um, yeah so that was our first movie review so go and check that movie out seriously folks hopefully you haven't listened to this if you've not watched it it's the sort of movie that's really worth checking down and then coming back and listening to it and see if you have any theories or opinions on it we're going to take a short break just now Uh, you're going to hear the trailer for our second and final movie review that's Splinter from 2008 you're also going to hear promos for shows that I love when we return myself and Court are going to be discussing Splinter right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs
2: do you like movie reviews that are insightful thought-provoking and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f-ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood,
3: expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at.
0: Visit www.KrugerNation.com oh, good God! A butthole casserole!
3: I think I'm gonna like camping. she looks not right well, what do you want to do
0: turn it off get in the car pull over <laughs> hello
2: hello
0: oh sorry I didn't you inside
1: who was that Away from the glass. It tracks us somehow. We gotta get out of this gas station. Wait, wait. Stopped. I think it's gone. Drop the gun. You're under arrest. Get in your car. There's something out.
3: Watch the
0: burn! don't wanna stick your- yeah. It's gonna get in It's gonna kill You okay? Don't touch it! And welcome back. So before we get kicked into this, uh, I got an email. The email was from the man that suggested this movie to me. Is of course a good buddy George Cook. George Cook says Duncan just thought I'd send you a wee email as to why I'd been recommending you check out the 2008 movie Splinter. It's yet another criminally underappreciated film. It may only have a few locations due to budget constraints but is very well acted, nicely paced and doesn't outstay its welcome. The film has some fantastic effects to me, it's almost a low budget sequel to The Thing Let's also not forget Shea Wiggum who gives a kick-ass performance as Dennis Farrell. Nice wee character arc. Anyway, thanks for covering it I just thought I'd like to say while I'm here, keep up the good work with the podcast Under the Stairs. You're doing a fabulous job with it. Send Baz my hugs and kisses too. Cheers, George Cookieman, Cookman. Um, thank you very much for your email, George. I will pass on hugs and kisses to Baz, um, but I'll make sure I do that via text. Um as not to lead him on because Baz can get a bit frisky and uh, he will end up humping my leg like a castrated dog. Um, I don't want that. And you don't want that. Let's be honest. No one wants that. Um, the Baz Maybe wants the Baz. it. Yeah, the Baz. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Baz wants it. Um, so, uh, thank you. And like I say, George was the one that suggested this movie and it was ages ago that he did it. I actually feel slightly guilty it's taken me this long to get around to it because, FYI, really fucking like this movie. It's So this is Splinter 2008, directed by Toby Wilkins, um, written by Ian Shaw and Kai Barry. The movie stars Charles Baker, Jill Wagner, Paolo Constanzo, Shee Wiggum, uh, Rachel Kerbs and Laurel Whitsett. The synopsis is listed on the IMDB, trapped in an isolated gas station by a voracious splinter parasite that transforms its still-living victims into deadly hosts. A young couple must escape, uh, uh, sorry, a young couple and an escaped convict must find a way to work together to survive this primal terror. Um, this was the first time watch for you as well, Court, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, actually, just like you had mentioned about uh, Chasing Sleep, I had never even heard of this film until you suggested it for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, you had the, was it George you said his name was?
0: Yeah, George, yeah.
3: Oh, spot on. Great job, sir. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for bringing this into my life as well. Yeah, I think I- it took. You, I think it took you so long to cover this film just because it was destined for us to talk about it together
0: <laughs> well th- the thing is I, I i sent this across to you i was like that we've been talking about you coming on for a guest appearance for for a bit of time now how would you fancy coming on and doing splinter and you were like never heard of it um, and i was like right hey uh, go and check it out and you came back to me and you said i've just read i think you said you just read the synopsis on imdb you're totally in it sounded like yeah. completely your wheelhouse and uh, to me i was i was I have been aware of this movie without knowing what the movie is about for quite a while. This poster is one that is very familiar to me, it has been on, I think it has been on Netflix or Amazon Prime in the UK for a bit of time now and I keep seeing it and I keep thinking, I don't know why I keep, I keep seeing it and I keep thinking Evil Dead and I don't know why I keep thinking Evil Dead but I I just had it in the back of my head Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Evil Dead and for whatever reason that was used as a negative against it and I don't, once again, don't know why. I'm trying to justify why I've not watched the movie and I find that my justifications are flimsy at best. But. At least I have
3: an excuse that I had never even heard of it. Yeah, yeah,
0: I've got no excuse. I've got no excuse. (laughs) Um, So I sat down to watch this one um, the same night that I actually watched Chasing Sleep, and I watched this one after Chasing Sleep, and that's the perfect way to watch these two movies. Don't end on Chasing Sleep and then try and go to your bed. End on Splinter because it's a kick-ass movie. It's it's one of those movies that finishes, and when it finishes, you're like, "Fuck yeah!" You want to high-five the person next to you and fist bump the air. this movie's, this movie's a ton of fun, like really, really, really fun. The practical effects and even the CGI effects, which I think are surprisingly well done um, with a movie which had, once again, a limited budget that it had. But just the practical effects and the, the actors themselves sell the pain and contortion of what's happening to them so fucking well. Uh, it just... It just It's just brilliant. Uh, The movie essentially starts off with um, a gas pumper um, being attacked by what looks like some sort of rabid rat. Or, or, or maybe some sort of small woodland rodent um, viciously I attacked. It was a beaver, a beaver, uh, a zombie beaver. Uh, <laughs> <or, laughs> splint beaver. A splint beaver. It's the new movie that I am producing with Bo Ransdell. <laughs> um, the, the 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 unofficial sequel to Lost After Dark. Bo should get a kick at that. Uh, but yeah, so I, 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 I at attack him. We switch gears like we do in a lot of these, a lot of horror movies. We get listen open and see right on to our happy couple. And the first thing that struck me is how likeable this couple is. You know what I mean? I'm used to just... uh, The complacent side of me is just used to sitting down to watch modern horror movies with that sinking inevitability that something bad's going to happen to them and how little a fuck I give about that. Um, But that that never happened. They almost
3: encourage it for most of the characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But surprising that they do a couple of really really good things in here even the convict which I don't want to jump too far ahead but even the convict when we start to find a bit more of him and things start happening to him I started feeling sorry for him and that is that shocked me how much that meant to me when that character does what we'll get on and I was just like that well played splinter well let me let me give you a small round of applause here um first and foremost this movie uh, gives us these it's a cliche to an extent two characters out camping in America you crazy crazy people and you're camping out in America. nothing good ever happens nothing good um, I grew
3: uh, up in the middle of nowhere and I can attest that nothing ever good comes from camping <laughs> nothing it's not good? just from horror films
0: it's nothing good um, and we get the, I get the feeling that there's a bit of sabotage on the tent so they can go and stay at a nice uh, motel somewhere oh, the,
3: man, the man totally breaks that shit on purpose because he does not want to be sleeping out under the stars yeah,
0: he does not want out there um, so they end up back in their car they're driving along, their car is uh, hijacked by this escaped convict and his woman, um, who, who very very quickly, uh, and I think that's that she that she rigged him Dennis Farrell's character, and he I know him from what's the name of that TV show that he's in that he plays the Boardwalk uh, Empire. Yes,
3: in- he was the 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 sort of thug sheriff brother. That's of what the I'm main sure. character in Boardwalk.
0: Yeah, and he's a great actor, actually. I think he's a, he's a really good actor, and he plays this role really well, just like George was saying in his comments. So there is a really good character arc with him that I, I quite got... I got wasn't quite Shea
3: in. also in Car- Carnival as well? Wasn't it? Jonesy the, the ex... No, no, that wasn't Jonesy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Different guy.
0: <laughs> and uh, Apollo Costanzo is in... I know him from some... He must be in one of these it was like a teen comedy from that Road Trip Road Trip I just had to check IMDb he was in Road Trip which was the movie that came out after American Pie which starred Tom Green um, and people and he's in that and he plays a similar sort of role actually this kind of he's more a stoner in it but a guy who's quite clever kind of scientifically speaking um, so they get kidnapped they drive to this gas station where our uh, gas pump attendant attacks them because eh, he's now one of the splinter zombies um, did you
3: recognize the guy who played the, the splinter zombie gas station attendant
0: I did not, who's that
3: um, did you actually ever watch Breaking Bad
0: yes, did, love Breaking Bad
3: he's skinny Pete, dude
0: <laughs> so fucking is
3: yeah, he was a lot skinnier in Breaking Bad, but it was skinny Pete
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ so it is. that broke
3: my heart I was like no not skinny Pete!" as soon as he got taken out by the splint beaver
0: by the splint beaver Um, yeah so basically from there it's a a a case of them being held or kind of held hostage in this gas station while the splinter the splinter creatures start to do their work but what I love about this is the splinters just don't take over a body Um, in the case of a hand uh, whatever they come in contact to reanimate and then slowly start to transform, um, which I thought thought CGI wise, it, it looks dated, but not in a way where I was like, oh, I've seen movies from, you know, the time period since two thousand and eight where I've seen CGI and thought that's just horrendous. Why have you done that? The CGI here's still decent, um, and, and they don't use a hellish amount of it either. Uh, they they use it sparingly and probably in the right places for the budget they had Um, and and like like we say we then get this this kind of siege element which George likens to the thing and I can kind of see where he's coming from Um, once the Splinter has interacted with um, Dennis he is slowly changing but is trying to hide it and the characters are unaware and it it gets down to this maybe not on the same level of paranoia but this idea of who can be trusted and who's been injured etc and it culminates exactly how you know it's going to culminate so there's no great spoiler in the ending here uh, except to say that um, Shea Wiggum's character Dennis ultimately sacrifices himself which was something I saw coming a mile off but once again it works really well in the movie. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, the film
3: definitely uses that uh, that typical siege film structure. Mm-hmm. I think it actually has a lot more to do with the actual structure of the film. It feels more like a Last Man on Earth or Night of the Living Dead style of siege film. Yep. But the creatures themselves definitely have the the weird behaviors and actions of like a weird Lovecraftian style monster, like in uh, John Carpenter's version of the thing.
0: The thing, yeah. And there
3: isn't really that level of
0: paranoia where
3: uh, Shay Wiggum's character, Dennis, you know, you, you do see his finger slowly being taken over and then eventually his hand. And then when his first finger snaps, you know, they, they don't really seem to notice that at much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more like a, sort of a, almost like an Evil Dead 2 thing where it's like, you know, well, we got to take it. We got to get rid of it. It's got to go. Yeah. You know, and then we can move on and we got to make that choice. And that scene with the arm being removed—the practical effects in that are just unbelievable.
0: So good, so so like I got giddy like watching it. I started like on my chair like a like a school kid that's just been promised like sweets after dinner. Um, I was just like, this is amazing. And oh, it I,
3: was cringeworthy, was it not? Oh, it
0: was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's totally this. Uh, this is uh, this is the perfect example of uh, a, a group of filmmakers that have decided to put the money where it needs to be in the movie. Like that's your big that to me is your big practical effect in this movie. That's the big thing that's gonna is gonna make people remember that this is the movie where the guy gets his arm removed slowly <laughs> and painfully,
3: and in two steps with a box cutter and a fucking block.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> like that's a cement block. I think that's great, and I think that they know that. And they pump the money into that, and it it what is like you you're watching it, you're excited because you're a horror fan. You want a bit of that, you want that gore, but at the same time, you instinctively for some reason feel every fucking hit. Oh, it was it was so fucking good, so good, and I think that is just the the kind of the thing that stands out to me overall about the movie is that it feels like someone who has a great love. Of not not just that you know I grew up watching horror movies so I make a horror movie it's like someone that has a great love for that aspect and this sort of movie um and it works I think it's a really unique idea as well kind of using it as these kind of poisonous splinters which are never really fully explained at all you know where did they come from how are they doing the things they're doing um, that's
3: the best part though yeah I love when films don't I mean is it an alien thing is it they talk about how the forest is uh, some of the trees and the way that the landscape is that hasn't been touched in over 400 years. Yeah. So is it some kind of ancient creature that's been living in this forest that man is starting to encroach on and just now discovered? Mm-hmm. Is it an alien of origin? It doesn't matter because what it is is terrifying and it wants to kill you.
0: Yeah. I think it, it, it just it, it sets it sets its stall up pretty quick. You know what sort of movie you're going to get. The the. The beauty of this one is it gives you what you want as a viewer, um, and a lover of this particular subgenre of, I mean, because on some level it is body horror, um, on other levels it is a bit creature feature, um, on other levels it is a bit zombie, um, it kind of melds them all in, but in ways which don't feel like they're cookie cutter, um, and and delivers an overall movie which just feels like a blast to watch, and like I say, the big, the couple of things that stood out for out to me was how much i actually enjoyed the characters how i didn't want bad things to happen to them even dennis farrell's character as the you know as, as this convict towards the end when he sacrifices himself to basically let them go and um, blows himself up with the creature or creatures or parts of the creatures or splinters or whatever when he does that at the end I actually, there's a lot of movies that I've done that scene before with characters who are trying to make amends who I'm like too little too late, um, but not with him, I genuinely felt for him. I kind of kind of hope that he managed to get out at the end of this movie as well and the fact that they don't do that um, adds a, a bit of emotional clout to the movie, which I think it needs. Um, it, it doesn't feel forced, it just feels organic and that's, it's wonderful.
3: They do set that up though with uh, Dennis's character. You know, when it starts off, he's badass. He's grouchy. He's you know, he's an escaped convict, and he has that sort of menacing, uh, almost Krug-like character, if you will, to him. Yeah. Like you feel like he's gonna go that direction, but then his interactions with his coming down from her meth addiction girlfriend or fiance or whatever she was supposed to be. You know, like you kind of see where he's trying to take care of her and he's trying to keep her along, even though she's basically a millstone around his neck Mm -hmm. right from the start. And he legitimately cares for her. And then when she ends up going, he risks, you know, he risks his life when he thinks she might still be alive after the splinter monster thing attacks her. And uh, she basically, you know, is, is pretty much dead, but the splinters are starting to move her because it's reanimating her. And he risks his life to save her there and you kind of start winning over with him a little bit you're like well he loves his woman he's willing to do anything and then once they're in the store and they start having the discussion of what it is that he did and how he ended up you know in jail and he stole a truck and he shot the guy but he was on a meth binge at the time that he did it i think he said and he's felt guilty about it ever since and he's had this nest egg of money from his crimes and he's going to give it to the widow yeah. At that point, when you hear that, you're like, I'm in. I love you, man. You're yeah, awesome. Yeah,
0: Definitely. Definitely. And it, it, once again, it says the first time we meet him, we don't like him. You know what I He's a bad man. Um, but good use of character. Good acting, actually. Really good acting in the way that that story unfolds. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is something that uh, George mentioned um, pretty quick in his thing is about how quick the pace of this movie is. It's, it's just a little over an hour and 20 long. Um, Which a movie like this should be, it shouldn't be any longer than that, Um, like we said it doesn't have that kind of claustrophobic clout of something like a a movie like The Thing. So this movie really should get in and out and it adds to its kind of feel good vibe at the end. Um, I think the pacing of this movie is perfect, like pitch perfect there is no section in this movie at all where it's like that what we're doing why we meander and get to the next bit um and knows exactly where to drop the shocks the reveals and all the rest and they're perfectly paced in the right time and it just the movie flew for me and when the credits started rolling i was just like oh whoa that was that was a fucking movie um I thought that worked. I thought that worked great. What did did you think about the pacing, in court?
3: I actually felt like it was like a punk rock song where (laughs) it kicks, it just kicks off and it just goes. Like you have like that little like, the beginning with them camping is sort of like the feedback as the band is getting ready to go. And then (laughs) you hear like either Dee Dee Ramone or one of the other guys in the band screaming one, two, three, four. And that's when they get the interaction with uh, Dennis Farrell and his meth head girl. And then the film just goes balls to the wall. You know, it has those those little changes, like, where you go verse, chorus, verse. And then once the song is over and the film ends, you know, you get that feedback fade out. And you're just like, fuck
0: yeah, play it again. <laughs>
3: exactly what it felt like watching it.
0: <laughs> um, did you take any more notes? Like, this is one of these movies where I had, some, I had a total blast watching it uh, and I, I really really did I thought this movie was a, a ton of fun but when it comes of things to talk about um, there's a couple of big set pieces but it's it really is like I'm mo- watching this movie I was surprised by how familiar the movie felt but at the same time how refresh- refreshing sections were uh, do you have anything else you kind of want to talk about uh, with the yeah, movie absolutely. before we do final thoughts?
3: Yeah, I want to I uh, overanalyze the uh, the creatures itself or mm-hmm. the, the, the splinters. Um, I do like that it's mainly a heat-sinking, unthinking force and that it can be manipulated and tricked. I love how The Scientist, which is kind of like a throwback to the old 60s and 50s style films, like the original version of The Thing, where The Scientist figures out how to deal with the monster and move on. These kind of creature features, uh, that's almost a cliche, but the way that they do it in this is so refreshing because the guy just kind of like, oh my gosh... That's why. And it, he takes the time. He doesn't have the fear. It's great the way that they do it. And they end up using uh, cold because the thing's a heat seeker. So they, they chill themselves down or they hide in the freezer or they start using fire to attract it and that kind of thing. Um, also, I wanted to point out, too, that there is some scientific basis for this sort of fungal mold-like creature that this uh, splinter organism is because there are actual like funguses out there that will attach to an ant and kill it. And reanimate it and just drive it to the top of a tree Mm -hmm. so it can be eaten by a bird and then propagate where the bird basically drops out the fungus, you know, where it needs to grow again to kind of complete the cycle. Mm -hmm. So if something like this could exist for ants, it's possible that a forest that is over 400 years old, something like that could be in there.
0: Yeah, for humans, yeah
3: it's a definite possibility and I absolutely loved thinking about that uh, the scene with the infected fingers and the arm breaking under the control of the splinters that was so cringeworthy for me yeah, yeah. I felt I felt every break the way they did the sound design on that the the special effects and I didn't really notice CG I wasn't like specifically CG hounding it but what I did notice was every little piece of practical effect and the way they did the sort of step animations and you know of the of the practical effects and I just I freaked out and just tweaked out over it because I'm a huge lover of practical effects because it's there. Yeah. The actors can react to it, and I think that helped their performances. Um, the only I have a few minor complaints about the film, but it's not anything that really detracted from my enjoyment. I did not like the frenetic camera work that happens when the creatures are attacking in some scenes. To so mm-hmm. sort of The way it sort of simulates, I think they were trying to simulate the fight or flight reactions that you would get. And they were trying to put that into the viewer's mind, but really it kind of deterred from me Yeah, being able to kind of like for those moments. I'm like, oh, come on, because it was a, it made it an obvious technique, you know, like it was like, that's what they were doing. And I I kind of it didn't really pull me out of the film, but I was like, oh, just just hold on the creature, you know, just let me see some shadowed creature. And when they did those shots, that was amazing. Yeah. Where the creature would just be kind of coming into the firelight or would just sort of creep off of the roof and you would catch brief glimpses of it that thing's legitimately terrifying when you just get brief glimpses of it. They didn't need to do that frenetic camera work, but that's like I said, that's a minor quibble. That's something that I would have just told the director, hey, maybe next time don't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)
3: Uh, but yeah the creature itself the splinters oh my gosh just thinking about it now i want to go back and watch the fucking movie again
0: yeah I've, actually it's funny i i think uh i think my, my plan is we're recording this on the saturday and uh, my plan is to watch it again i've, I've got a, a party that i'm going out to um after recording but when we come back i think it's probably going to go on again tonight <laughs> just as a it, it feels like it's a saturday night movie for me it's that sort of thing that you get a bowl of popcorn you sit down and it's it's quick uh, entertains you, you don't have to think about it too much and it does its job which I think is the the main thing I, I would actually agree with you on some of the it, I always kind of get the feeling that when people do indie movies they kind of feel the need to try and be on some level and I know I mentioned Evil Dead earlier on but Sam Raimi uh, Sam Raimi was such an innovator with some of the camera use that he used in Evil Dead and it was mostly down to the fact that he didn't have money to let you see a demon so if we follow a camera swirling around and all the rest you you're imagining that's you're the POV of the demon almost um, or the spirit or whatever and I feel that sometimes there is a need for filmmakers when they're doing their indie movies, um, that they they feel they need to try and say, right, I might not have all the money that I need to do this sort of thing. However, I, you know, I'm going to put some quirky camera angles in as well. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. And for me, it it, it did the track but not to the point where I was like, oh well, this is this scene now sucks. Um, I just I would I, I could have done with less of it.
3: I think they should have done two takes of it. They should have tried the frenetic camera work and then they should have done just a straight take of the monster attacking. Yeah. And maybe kind of did like an AB roll where they cut back and forth.
2: Between
0: the, yeah. Like
3: like show the monster in that sort of frenetic stuff. But then when you're showing the people, you're holding on the people. So you're with them and you identify them more. But I'm not a director. I'm a failed filmmaker. So what do I know?
0: (laughs) What we all are. (laughs) Um, Right. So um, anything else that you want to say about this movie before we grade it, Corp?
3: Uh, I do have some final thoughts, actually. Mm-hmm. The film actually does feel like either an attempt to do a throwback to the monster movies of sort of the early 80s or those siege films of the late 60s, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, or it's like a serious tribute to that particular subgenre, like you had actually mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was meant to be, it's a concise, tight story. And it's a t- it's a really tense thrill ride. And I absolutely enjoyed it every bit. And I'll give you my grade 4.5 Ooh. out of
0: 5. Very nice, and um, not wanting to break the, the the show thus far, my grade's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Four point five is what I thought watching the movie. I I really liked this movie. It's one that I will definitely watch again. Um, it has it has legs for me. It's the sort of thing I could imagine shoving on with a group of friends, just to sit down and watch a couple of beers and things like that. It, it just has that. It has that. Exactly like you said, that kind of that punk piece aesthetic that works really well for it. Um, so yeah, 4.5 from me as well. The last thing I need to ask you, Corp, uh, before before you leave us and I come back to close up my show is once again to remind our listeners out there where they can check out Cinema PsyOps.
3: Uh, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher as well as Google Play. We're out there on Facebook. You can actually find us there. Just do a quick search for Cinema PsyOps. We have a Facebook group. Always a lot of fun. We actually encourage listeners to post uh, stories for our psyop news. We like to give you credit when we report on it. (laughs) We try to find the most fucked up weird shit that people do to themselves and or each other. Usually with consenting adults, because that way it's less creepy for us. (laughs) You know, but if you're doing it to yourself, then, you know, whatever. And uh, we kind of take the Liam Neeson taken on that. If you insert something into an orifice and get hurt doing it, we will find out about it. We will report on it if it's in the news. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, also, I have two shows. Uh, I also have Geek Chat Army. I didn't mention that earlier, but that's yes. sort of a roundtable discussion of a bunch of geeks that uh, get together and just basically talk about whatever. That's also available in iTunes and uh, Stitcher as well as Google Play. And it is also on Facebook and has its own group as well.
0: That's one that I still need to get into, but I... Uh... I will, I will, I will uh, try. I'll be releasing this one as well. I will track it down and I will listen to it. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for for coming on the show, Cor. I, I know for a fact that you'll be back somewhere down oh, the line.
3: I, I'm going to just extend this offer right now, Duncan. If you need somebody and I'm available, I'm your guy.
0: <laughs> there you go. That, that's that's what I like to hear. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, um, listeners. Do us a favor. Go out and check his shows. They are a ton of fun. Um, They're one of those those great listens. Like I was saying to him off air, that it's one of those shows, and there aren't many of them that I listen to where I genuinely feel like as a listener listening to it I'm actually in the room listening to them talk uh, and I'm very tempted at several points to interject and then remind remind myself that actually I can't do that uh, because it's recorded but um, yeah thank you very much again Corp uh, would you like to say goodbye to my listeners please
3: Goodbye to my listeners, please.
0: (laughs) So you're one of them. Uh, Yes, (laughs) I'm going to take a very short break. It's the final break of this show. When I return, I'm closing it out right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 78, where we reviewed Chasing Sleep and Splinter. Again, a huge thanks to my guest on the show, Court Psyops from Cinema Psyops and Geek Chat Army, who came on and suggested that movie, Chasing Sleep. And thank you very much for that, Court, because that's a movie that I had a ton of fun watching um, and one that I would highly recommend to people out there. So go and check out that movie. And of course, George, George Cook, uh, Splinter, what a movie. Uh, I should know by now that when people rave about movies that I shouldn't put them on the back burner I should kind of push them up the list and not watch some of the absolute shite that I do during the week um, but that was that was a true joy to watch that movie that was a ton of fun. So like I said at the start of this episode a ton of stuff coming up over the next month or so. Um, we are cruising in quite close to the start of Bazzy's look at the Halloween franchise, that's going to be interesting to say the least, but before then we have a show with the Baz discussing cannibal horror movies, we're going to have some Italian horror in there, we're going to have, oh god knows, slashers, creature feet, I don't know, I I can't even begin to start to think where this show goes week to week, but um, there's a ton of movies, horror movies going to get discussed on this show over the next wee while. Uh, Like I said at the start as well, thank you very much for all the. all the kind wishes for my, my holiday which was which was well needed. <laughs> it had been a wee while since I had been away on um, holiday and it was good to get away for even if it was just a week and there was a lot of travel in that uh, but it was good to get to the States. It was good to get out to uh, DC and meet up with uh, Doctor Dark and Danny Trioxin from the Midnight Horror Show and Jeff Jans um, who is one of the listeners of the show uh, it, was, it was fantastic and DC is such a beautiful beautiful city um, so that was, that was a lot of fun but oh my god where to, where to, where to go now, um, I don't know, there's so much stuff happening at the moment. Um, I'm closing in on the end of my first season of my Sidecast Chronicle. Uh, For those that haven't checked it out yet, Chronicle Podcast is my exclusive look at European Horror Cinema, where I look at not only the movies, but the stories behind the movies. And each season is going to be six episodes long, and we've already done four, and episode five comes out next week and then there's one more episode left after that and then that show disappears for a good couple of months. The support for that show from people that listen to this show has been absolutely incredible and I can't thank you guys enough for that. People really seem to be getting behind what I'm trying to do with that show which is something a bit different from what I feel a lot of other genre shows do but at the same time kind of different from what I do on other shows. Some people know that I do quite a few shows now and I'm maybe sick of hearing my voice um, or sick of hearing my laugh, I get that sometimes, um, but the, the plan was to try and make that one more a bit more serious and a bit more focused and uh, genuinely sounds like listeners are digging that show. Um, if you want you can join the Facebook group page, the numbers are still kind of low over there even though the show has been up and running since January but it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast. Um, So go across, check it out, see what make of that show. What I'm contemplating doing is, on the very final show, I may string all six episodes in one audio file, which will be about two hours long, and release it as one podcast, Um, putting it out through the podcast under the stairs feed as well. So if you couldn't be bothered joining separate feeds and all the rest, you get a chance to listen to the full season right at the end. That's an idea. We'll see if that happens or not. Um, but there is also a a multitude of ways to check out this show you can check us out on iTunes and if you do I can't stress enough how just leaving a review over there especially if it's a good review like for example 5 stars um, what that does for this show the more of them we get the higher up the iTunes charts we get pushed the more likely people will check out this show it has a lot of really good feedback and reviews already over there but I will never be too proud to ask for more um, it really does benefit the show and it doesn't cost you anything to do it so take a couple of minutes and leave us a little review over there. You can listen to us through Soundcloud and Stitcher Smart Radio on the Legion podcast network surrounded by, like I said earlier on a multitude of fantastic shows with great content. I can't recommend enough you guys go and check out the podcast on Haunted Hill uh, Dan and Gav are being on a tear this year. Since, since about December actually, their content just like show after show is just they make it seem so easy and I'm incredibly jealous um, of the topics they cover over there the most recent episode they looked at some J-horror and it's a fantastic show go and check it out, go and support those guys um, but yeah, that's that's the show I would like to mention on this episode and I might start doing that from, from show to show it's just uh, shouting out to my, my, my podcast bros and sissies over there, sissies, that's not right, sisters, um, over there on the Legion Podcast Network for things to go and check out, um, particular shows or content that I think was covered on a show that I think is fantastic, so, which is all the shows, ofs, um or obviously, I need to stop talking like a kid, this is like, a, I come back from Vegas and all of a sudden I think I can hang in the hood that's not a good thing, that's never a good thing, Um, remember and visit our website tputscast.com. you can visit our instagram page and subscribe to Bazzy's nonsense over there, that's at tputtscast if you're over on instagram, if you're on twitter it's at tputtscast again, Um, baz admins the twitter account, he's very animated and very hyper over there so go and give him stuff to shout at or be happy about. He loves that. Genuinely loves that. We also have a Facebook group page. It's the best goddamn Facebook group page on the internet. There we go. The whole internet. I'm claiming it. I'm putting a flag in that bitch and claiming it. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash t cast We are five members away from cracking 300. That's right. This is t um So let's make that happen. That could be a meme. I could get Bass to do that. He's got a beard. That might work. I don't know if anyone wants to see that though. Um, I I will apologise up front uh, for those that did see the video of the prize draw that we put on the Facebook group page. It was a fucking train wreck. Some of you's uh, enjoyed it for some reason and have suggested a live show, an actual video podcast a vodcast I don't know if that's is that a vodka podcast who knows um we'll see maybe one day down the line I don't know I'm not in any rush to put my ugly mug on camera um yeah I think I'm finished I think I'm waffling now it's because I've not done one of these in a while um so I'm gonna go please take care of yourselves out there whatever you're doing thank you very much for the support this is Duncan McLeese broadcasting live from under the stairs signing off
1: Why can I not sleep? Why am I turning? Why, why, all I turning? why are all the trees burn? burning? Forest fires, crooked liars, why am I so sullen and drained? In the bush it's raining. Last man on his own. Has anyone thought to save him? Monkey <laughs> is laying in the tree to three. Hearing the sound of the fume fuel wagon, he leaps on the back. Attack! 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 No, even not today. The rain falls upon the acidic trees of millennium scorn. The fire has vanished, leaving behind a trail of death for all to see. Birds in the trees, then you and me. They twitching on the floor. They twitching on the floor. They twitching on the forest floor. The yeti is waiting. The yeti is waiting. The yeti is waiting for us. The yeti is waiting. The Yeti is waiting for us to take us into his home. Care for us just like one of his own. Wild bones. Wild bones. Wait. The Yeti no longer has a home. The trees are gone and nothing has grown. A table, a chair, an internet nightmare. When will the forest speak? When all is dried up and way too weak. Wait for nightfall. It's so beautiful out here. Up high on a wave of <the> oxygen <laughs> love, I sit! Up high on this glorified some amp- postcard, I spit! I spit! I spit upon thee! Wait for your red skies. Wait for, wait for, the, for the red, red skies. skies. Do you know how it feels to be alive? Do you know how it feels to be alive? Let me know, Let Let me me know how, how you feel. feel. When will the forest speak? When all is dried up and way too weak! Wasting operations. Waste of life. Waste of life. Statistics, plastic soldiers, sound of sticks rubbing together. All the people gather. <sighs> all, all the, the people, people, gather. people gather. Wait for the man! He must have a plan! Show me and make me a smile I can wear! Me and you! We can make up too! No use for hate if you're wearing my shoes! Be happy, be sad, be a wild rotten lamb, don't bother me now, I'm drenched to the bone. A sign of a truck and an axe and a fall of a tree and a knife and a planet so small, sick to the bone of your dower heart of stone! oh no, lone! Stone! Sick to the bone of your dour heart of stone! Let me know how you feel. Let me know how you feel! You say, say it! Say it! it. Too hot! Take a big top top! Clank and a slot, slot machine, machine coins! Machine coins bled unclean! A beaten old lizard staggers over the road. A hand and a heart, the like in the park. The candle won't light, and the fire won't spark. I'm worn and I'm torn, I but I still carry, torn, on, I'm still torn, I'm still carry on. on. I'm worn and I'm torn, but I still carry on. The, angry. the, money the, the take hungry. Hungry. Watching mayhem, leaping from truck to truck. This is where he rejoins his friends. They feast, feast clank, clank, clank. they drink, they talk about how be. A bee. I still can't sleep. I still can't sleep. I still can't sleep. A million minds and a million voices, a million thoughts and only one choice need to find peace.